<laughs> Those effing C words. Changing confidence, child. Two words that are so scary, they may as well be curse words. Let's talk about it. On this podcast, we'll share our stories about hardship and starting over, making professional pivots, ending relationships and friendships, and having the confidence to navigate change. These are real stories and real people from my one-on-one coaching sessions and interviews that will keep us inspired or remind us that things could be worse. So what you hear are the truths, traumas, and testimonies that push us to become the solution instead of just waiting for one. I'm Marcia Cork, the Change Coach, and this is Ooh, Those FNC Words. Hello, hello. I'm Marcia Cork, and this is Ooh, Those FNC Words. Welcome back, MCs, and happy Friday. Now, we are still relatively fresh off the Changed Ever After episode. That was episode 19, where we discussed life after divorce or separation. So I'm giving you a show today that's the other side of that relationship coin. We are joined today by marriage expert Trail Ravenel, who helps couples reset and rebrand their marriage with new terms, Christian principles, and spirituality in their toolkit. But I'm also going to give her the opportunity to speak on the entrepreneurial side of her work. She does brunches and events that empower women. As always, I'm going to let my guest introduce herself. So welcome, Trail. Please introduce yourself to my MCs before we jump into your origin story. Absolutely. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, first of all, just thank you so much, Marcia, for her this opportunity to be in this space. I'm super duper excited and I'm really, uh, really geeked, I guess I can say about this conversation that we're going to have and right. hope that everybody out there will be as well. I've been listening and and uh, partnering with you on the other end of the podcast and I've really been enjoying what I've heard. So thank you so much for this space and this opportunity. So Absolutely. my name my name is Trell Ravenel, and I am the CEO and founder of Wives Who Win. And basically, the whole idea behind Wives Who Win was to give wives a different and fresh perspective of their role in marriage. And I hope we'll get into that just a little bit. We've mm-hmm. heard so many things as it relates to the woman's role and the wife's role. But um, my movement is more so about empowering the wife in a mental, emotional, and spiritual state. So I support wives and couples uh, alike in seeking compromises and solutions for hard to fix problems that they face. Because as we all know, all relationships has their fair share of issues and problems and things of that nature. So I bring a fresh perspective, as Marcia had mentioned, uh, from both a spiritual perspective, as well as using clinical tools and resources and tips in order to help these marriages have a meaningful and godly marriage relationship. And we'll talk about all the other things later, but that's just who I am. Of course, I'm married (laughs) uh, with one son and uh, I do a lot in the community, uh, online and offline. And again, I'm just excited to be here. And I'm excited to have you. You know, we've been chatting for weeks now, you know, you reached out with this idea for the show. I remember when we first talked about it, I said, okay, well, I'm just going to give you a heads up now. I'm doing a divorce episode (laughs) around that same time. So I actually like that they're so close together, like I said, to be able to give people two sides of that relationship coin. So I'm excited to let you drive this conversation tonight because I'm excited to see what you present about a reset and a rebrand as that applies to marriage. So you know, we can we can start wherever you would like. Um, as I mentioned, I will probably weave in my it's me approach. I like the conversations to weave in a little bit of, of the past and how your past or some incident or event from your past shapes the works, the work that you do today and also where you want to take the work later. So I will come back in and we vote weave in those types of things. But I want to let you start doing what you do. You can jump right in. Absolutely. Well, well, let me just start here and just tell everyone, uh, I would just start with why I even came to this place. Uh, Since 2008-ish, I started working with women in particular, well, children and women in particular, and helping them to transform their life. I've always had a movement around transformation and building individuals and helping them to become, before we were using terms, the best version of me, that was Mm -hmm. the actual and literal work 
both my sister, who is my business partner, were doing. We were helping young girls and young boys, uh, the youth, and also young, young women, young mothers in particularly, to become the best version of who they are by not necessarily calling it that, right? So we were already doing that. We started hosting live events uh, between the D.C., Maryland area. And also South Carolina. I'm from South Carolina. So we started doing that and, and just building a presence in that space. Grew up in a in a, a Christian household. So always was a woman who knew who God was and believed in God and the faith and things of that nature. So that was always a part of my portfolio, if you would. It was always a part of my story. However, even growing up in a Christian household and um, having those values, I did not always understand the value of marriage. I did not have the best representation, if you would, of marriage. My, my parents were married. However, uh, I did not have the best representation, even, even among my parents' relationship. And so I sought out to see what that really looked like. I, I knew as a young girl that I wanted to be married. I knew that I wanted this even not having that representation, I knew that I wanted to be in this committed and serious relationship with the opposite sex one day of my life. And I would see other examples of this, right? Through my friends, um, parents, through TV. And I, and honestly, even through that, I never really saw the best representation. I saw a representation, but never really saw that. And it wasn't until 2016, we were already doing things on, on, uh, as it relates to the youth and, and, um, young girls that God placed on my heart to start ministering to marriage. And I'm like me minister to marriage. Like what's that's all about. And even before that, I would tiptoe unknowingly and subconsciously in ministering and helping women. Like I was always drawn to married women for whatever mm -hmm. the reason was. So I was always doing that. And my sister would tease and she would try to niche me in that area, niche or niche, however, you know, people say it differently. And she would try to brand me as like the wife coach or the marriage coach. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to be that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I want to help women. I want to help women, you know, but slowly but surely, I really understood that that's the place that God was taking me to. And I believe it was because of my desire as a young girl to get married, never having the representation. And of course, not having that representation. I also did not have tools and resources and strategies of how to be married. I didn't understand the role as a wife. I thought that a wife was supposed to, you know, cook and clean and, you know, be this extremely uh, submissive. I believe in submission. May talk about that later. I know how the conversation is going to go. But I believe that the submission was on the negative side as, as what we hear about. So I believe that. And, you know, the wife was to drop everything that she was doing and just totally supports her husband. And, you know, all of those things, husband became your, your God, your idol. So that's what my belief system was. Mm -hmm. So I didn't understand. So even in 2016, when God had called me to this space and um, being married to my now husband, you know, God just began to show me and grew me into being a wife. And basically, you know, encouraged me that it was okay to be a wife and to be a business owner. It was okay to be a wife and be extremely successful even in, in corporate America, because that's not the story and the conversations that we have, and, it, and especially not in many churches nowadays. So I started with that, and that's where Wives Who Win was birthed. It was birthed out of that place, and I just began to speak to wives. And, and even on that note, and I just have to share this for transparency. Mm -hmm. So while I said earlier, no, every marriage has has their thing. There were things that were coming up in our marriage relationship that I didn't necessarily like. And I, like many Christian women, begin to pray for God to fix my husband um, because he was broken. I'm like, he's he's the broken one. Like, he's the problem. He's the issue. You know, God just fix him and everything would be OK. And mm -hmm. it was in those moments that God began to show me who I was and show me some areas in my life that I needed to undoubtedly change and things that I needed to further transform as I transition to this place of being a wife, because as we all know, some things don't surface and come up until you get into a close personal relationship, such as a marriage relationship. And I began to do the work. And it was then at that point 
he began to move me into a space where I can help otherwise and other wives and showing them not only, hey, look at yourself, you know, not that you are the problem or 100% fault, but let's look at you and let's see what you can do to better yourself because ultimately bettering yourself would better the marriage. And by the way, you can also be this amazing wife and have an amazing life as an entrepreneur, as an author, as a speaker, as whatever it is that you desire to be. So that's how this all came to flourish and it came like full circle. And here we are now uh, still leading the charge and empowering and inspiring wives. And God has taken it even to another level of me really teaching wives and particularly how to walk with the Lord, uh, you know, in a discipleship realm uh, or focal point, if you would. Um, so my, I'm doing that as well in teaching wives how to pray strategically and just other things that wives in particularly, I believe, need in their arsenal to be um, the best version of themselves as a wife or to be a better version of themselves as a wife, because I do not believe that we will ever get to the best version. I just don't think that that exists as long as we're here on the earth. So yeah, so that's where it all started. <laughs> So you have this epiphany, you realize that there's some self-work that you need to do. How does that transcend into a construct? Like what are the basic, fund what are the fundamentals? What's your, um, your outline, your construct, if you will? What are your, what are trails, basic principles when it comes to teaching this methodology or teaching this philosophy? Right. So I have um, certain programs that I do um, do. So I have an eight week program and a currently a 12 week program. And in that program, the first thing that we do is really look at the mindset, uh, because anything that we do in life, it starts in our mind. You know, the soul is your mind, your emotions and your will. Your mind is your uh, thinker. Your emotions is your feeler and your will is your doer. You don't do anything without feeling it first. You don't feel anything without thinking it first. So we first have to look at what is our, what is our marriage story? You know, what, what is our idea concerning marriage? Many people, especially those that I work with and that I talk to, do not have or have not had the greatest representation of marriage. Many of the women that I work with, they either did not have a great relationship with their father or our mother or both. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, many of them are divorcees and, and although nothing is wrong with the divorcee or, you know, a past relationship, but all of these things, all of these factors, if you would, do play a role and how someone shows up in life, and in particularly how they show up in their marriage relationship. So we first break down, you know, uh, certain aspects of the mindset concerning marriage, your principles concerning marriage, your value systems concerning marriage, and, and where did these come from? You know, where do you where did you learn these things from? You know, how have these things inspired you? How have they impacted you negatively and positively? And we go from there. We're, we deal with the emotional well-being of it all. And emotional intelligence is a huge factor in my program. We deal with that a lot because of what I'm finding out even the more is that many people and such as myself, um, I can say many Christian women such as myself, uh, initially we did not uh, dibble and dabble, I guess I can say, in the emotional intelligence space. Uh, we felt that, okay, if I'm spiritually mature, then that's all I need. I don't necessarily need to be emotionally mature or, or you know, that will automatically happen. You know, once I become spiritually mature, I automatically will experience emotional maturity, but that's not true. The word of God tells us that faith without works is dead. So while we do advance spiritually, you also have to advance emotionally. And many women that I work with, you know, they're powerhouse speakers and they're powerhouse mm -hmm. prayer warriors and, and all of these other areas. But when it comes to the emotional intelligence piece of it, they're lacking in that area. So we deal with that um, a great deal as well. Okay. And is it typically the women that you're working with? Is Does it ever take the shape of couples therapy or couples counseling, or is it mainly the women doing this self-work? Initially, it was just women because that's where I started. Uh, but over the last couple of years, I started working with more couples and I would also inspire the woman to invite their husbands into the conversation. I would inspire them to invite their fiancés, you know, that long, even that long term boyfriend that they were desiring to marriage into the conversation. However, what I do see, Marcia, is that although they, the men are invited in, a lot of times the men are still hesitant in coming into that space um, It's uh, for a lot of different reasons. It's not necessarily that I am a woman because I'm a professional in what I do. It's the mindset of uh, many men 
as it relates to counseling and marriage coaching or someone helping them with their marriage. So we're still working through that. And I've been successful in being able to work with a, a great amount of men. And I've, um, I just had a couple that actually just got married. We did premarital counseling and she pulled me aside at the wedding reception. And she said, you know, I thank God for you. We would not be here unless, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you did what you do, what you did, what you're doing and the work that you're doing. And she told my husband, like, your, your wife is like a godsend. Uh, so I know that what I do has results. Uh, however, it is just a matter of, you know, the men being comfortable within themselves and really being able to bypass those blind spots and blind areas in their lives to say, okay, uh, I'm not saying that I'm the problem, but I am saying that I am a contributor to the health and wealth of this marriage relationship. And because I love my wife, I'm going to give it a go and mm -hmm. I will go and speak to someone. Okay. And does this follow what we see in traditional counseling therapy? Is it, you know, one-on-one -on -one or two of them in a physical space with you? Are you conducting sessions online? What shape does that, that coaching and counseling take? Absolutely. Uh, in the space, I more so do the coaching because I am universal and I have more leeway leverage to be able to do that in different states and places. So it takes place more so online and I do I do both. So I do individual and I do couples. So the couples, when couples come to me together, they have an opportunity to speak with me one on one and or as a couple. And on, to be very honest with you, I encourage every couple to get individual counseling first. Okay. Here's the thing. The marriage is not the problem. <laughs> marriage is a perfect entity. It's a perfect union. It's a perfect covenant established by God. Okay. The marriage itself, the relationship is not the problem. It is the individuals that come into the relationship that creates the problem, contributes okay. to the problem, grow the mm -hmm. problem, however you want to say it, right? So we we all come into the marriage relationship with an invisible backpack, right? And neither one of us knows exactly what is inside that backpack until stuff start happening. We say in Charleston, until stuff start popping off. <laughs> when start, stuff starts popping off, you quickly realize what's in that backpack. Because here's the thing, as I said earlier, Marriage is the closest relationship that you will have to an individual. And it's the closest relationship that will, will basically bring out who you are. You cannot hide any part of you inside a marriage relationship. It takes a very, I don't know, narcissistic person or someone that's very manipulative to be able to do that. So your real person, even if it's a snippet of that person, is going to come up. So when things arise, issues and problems, even for me, right? I thought, honestly, just be very transparent. I, I did so much spiritual work and I thought that I was at a place where I didn't have any of the rejection issues from my father and, you know, all of these things from my ex. I didn't realize that those things were still there because I was not in a close personal, uh, personal romantic relationship. I had relations, mm -hmm. but I didn't allow myself to get that close to a person for those things to have an opportunity to come up. So it wasn't until I got into my marriage in 2012, uh, September 1st, 2012, which um, celebrated 10 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. That uh, things started coming up and I'm like, okay, God, what's, what's going on? Like, I'm perfect. I'm working with women. I'm empowering all these women to be amazing and transform. And mm -hmm. why is this coming up? Right. So it's, it's not until something happens, a conversation you're not comfortable with, a trigger you didn't know was there that comes up and you try to blame everyone and blame him and whoever. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to you got to get out of the frame. Right. Step outside of the frame and really see the picture for what it is and be willing to do the work. OK. So now we're doing the work. Where does the reset, the rebrand and renegotiating terms come in? I'm glad you asked that question. I believe even at the beginning of the marriage relationship, this is the funny thing, right? So for me, marriage is an ongoing conversation. People say it's an ongoing dance, an ongoing movement, but it's an ongoing conversation. And that conversation can change at any time. It can shift at any time. And I really want to break down the word reset. But before I do that, I'm just going to share a funny story Okay. Uh, that my uh, about my husband, right? So, you know, we agreed to some things or 
said but not said. You know how you say but not say, and you just expect certain things to be uh-huh. in the marriage. And we agreed to some, some, some certain terms as it relates to finances in the beginning. And when I started to change, if you would, you know, he was like, well, what's up? You know, you're changing. You didn't say this. And like, why are you no longer comfortable with this? And I had to say, babe, you know, we change as people and I have the right to change my mind. I think sometimes we hold people to certain, um, we, we hold them to certain, I, I don't know if I want to say standards, but we hold them to certain, I guess I'm going to say standards because I can't think of another word right now, but we hold them to certain standards and certain obligations. That's what I want to say. We hold them to certain obligations, even when things begin to change, whether that's environmental things, societal things, you know, internal things, external things, you know, think about even the pandemic, you know, you can't expect people to show up the same way when everything is around them is changing. And I'm not talking about showing up in a different way where it's immoral or disrespectful or unethical, but I'm saying as we are evolving as people, then, you know, everything about me is going to evolve. So I believe in the beginning, I said all that to say, I believe in the beginning, you know, you should definitely have these type of conversations and talk about what, what is to come. You know, when we have children, what is this going to look like? And, and, and although these things are not, these are just hypotheticals. So this is not, this is exactly what's going to happen and what we're going to do. But at mm-hmm. least you have some level of blueprint that you can go by if you would, even an architect, right? So if they're building a structure, they they really feel like this structure is going to go the way that I've, I've outlined on this, on this paper. But they understand and they have to build in error. They have to build in mistakes. They have to build in weather and all of these things they have to build in because it may not go exactly as planned. And I believe that's for marriage as well. So when you ask a question like, where does the reset come in? In the beginning, let's talk about this and let's have a conversation. And I believe, I, I don't, I don't, there's not necessarily a time frame I can give, but I believe often or regularly. And whatever that may look like for, you know, you and your spouse, you can say, okay, well, every year on an anniversary, you know, I know a couple that does that every year on their anniversary, they'll sit down and they'll talk about their core values and, and terms and all of those things. And me personally, I periodically like, babe, are you happy? <laughs> you know, do you still, do, are you, st- you still with me? You know, what's going on? What's going on in your mind? You know, I just do that periodically, I guess, because of the work that I do. I don't just assume that all is well, even though it seems all is well, because you can be in an all is well, all is well environment, but what you're really seeing is false peace, false love, false humility, and you're just going through the motions, right? And because many couples do that. And, you know, I had someone tell me one time, uh, tell me one time that, oh, my husband just woke up and he didn't want to be married anymore. I'm like, that doesn't sound right because nobody just wakes up and, and you know, don't want to be in the relationship. There were things that were happening, even if you were not aware. So when we talk about reset, the first yeah. thing in the reset and the R is eval- reevaluate your marital agreement and commitment. Reevaluate your marital agreement and commitment. And maybe in the beginning of your marriage, you wrote down your mission statement and vision statement. That's something that I work with my couples uh, with as well, you know, write down what's the mission for your marriage? Like, why are we here? What are we doing? Okay. You know, we can easily say, oh, to glorify God or, or, you know, for God's glory. But what does that look like? Okay. So it sounds like you're constructing this model with couples or with the woman Mm -hmm. one-on-one as they start to observe problems in the relationship and they want this toolkit that we're talking about. So at that point, that's when we are you know, this, this, this is when the work starts. This is when the reset begins. Like, what do we okay. Okay. And it's not even if they have problems, but you know, because, because the misconception, I'm not saying that you misconceive that, but the misconception for many is that people seek out, which would, it, I guess it is a reality now because that's what's happening, but people seek out help when they need help. Um, okay. But what I do, what yeah. I do, um, not always problems, but observations and, you know, improvements, all improvements along the way. That's fair. Okay. okay. Absolutely. And I encourage people to do that. So just like your oil change, right? Maintenance. Come on. Okay. I, 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 and I try to brand it as such, like this is maintenance. This is the same as you going to the dentist twice a, a month. Hopefully you go okay. I mean, twice a year. Hopefully you go. This is the same as you going to get your annual checkup, right? I personally go get my blood work done every quarter. It's the same thing. Right. So it, 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 but, but, you know, we have not been taught, if you would, or even inspired to work on our marriage relationship as we've been taught and inspired, whether that's, uh, you know, 
directly or indirectly in other areas of our life. So this whole thing with, you know, counseling and working on your marriage is is new, but it's not new. It, yeah. it, it really wasn't a priority because everybody is like me, myself and I. Uh, so I, I try to say, OK, before you get to that point, because here is what I know and I can break down the rest if you want me to or just share the notes with the audience. But um, here's what I do know. When you are in a crisis, the last thing you are trying to do is really work on another person or even work on yourself. Mm-hmm. You, Your focus is I want it to stop. Yeah. I want the pain to stop. I want the anguish to stop. I want to stop hurting. I want to stop feeling this way. So when women come to me in a crisis situation, it's very difficult to work with them because they're not really focused on doing the work. See, I'm going through a a strategic process that will take time and I cannot guarantee the results. Only you can by the work that you do. And beyond that, we have to be very clear on what results you're seeking. Are you seeking for my husband to come back home, for our marriage to be back together, for him to stop cheating? Or are you seeking for healing and restoration? Hmm. What are we asking for? Because Mm -hmm. if he left that wife or that woman and came back to you as as still a a broken and wounded man, Mm -hmm. you're going to still have a broken and wounded marriage. So what are we really asking for here? What are we really needing? And further, you know, how did, how did you get to this place and what do we need to do to ensure that this never happens again? Or, or even not necessarily ensure because you can't ensure anything, but to make it to the point where your chances of being here again are significantly low. (laughs) Yeah. Mitigating the risk, basically. (laughs) There you go. Absolutely. And that work is the same in conflict resolution, you know, the same, the the same principles and the, and the amount of work that people don't realize when they have a problem, they tend to have a problem with the same one or two people. And the work that you do is really about navigating that relationship with those, that one or two people and continuing the work. This isn't going to be, you, you um, have sessions with me on conflict resolution. We do workshops on conflict resolution and it's a one and done kind of thing. Like I've I've identified my communication style. I've, I've, I've identified this, but um, so now that I've identified it, there's no more work to do. No, you've identified your communication style so that you can identify others communication style and what you can do to improve the communication. And then that work is repeated over and over and over again. Like that's where the real work begins is when you make the observation. So I'm seeing a lot of this parallel, um, you know, the points that you're making. Absolutely. And you, you know, about the rinse and repeat method. And that's absolutely true. You know, and and the funny thing, and I'm sure you have this experience as well, but people come and they work with you for eight weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it is. And they feel like, oh, everything should be perfect. I'm like, no, boo-boo, you just got started. <laughs> you know, I had to work through 40 years of your mindset in eight weeks and really statistically showing, uh, speaking, uh, you know, if you've been that way for 40 years, it takes at least 10%. It would take 10% of the time to fix or change or you to be at a place. So that's four years of you working. And mm-hmm. I argue, I don't have any data. But I argue that as you, that it's ongoing until you leave this earth, because all scenarios are different. Transitions are different, right? So when you start transitioning and changing and evolving, you you may have thought that you had, you know, this, this area, you know, down pack or in a place where you were sturdy and then something else happens. So it's ongoing. And and that's where people fail because they don't want to continue to do the work. It's not, not a one and done if you stop taking your car to get maintenance, what happens? If you stop going to the doctor, what happens? Yeah. Right? So, yeah, absolutely. And the E, so the E is establishing or reestablishing core values and practical principles that works for your marriage. Again, many people are not, they don't even know if I, if, you know, I've asked couples, what are, what are your core values? And like, what is that? What are, what, are, what are the core values for your marriage? Like, what do you believe in? You know, what what are you going to stand for? What are you not? What principle? What is the what are the principles, if you would, 
and the the foundation as to what you've built this marriage relationship on, whether that's Christianity, God, whatever, you just need to know what that is. Mm-hmm. Because 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 when issues arise and when you know uh trouble knocks on your door, yeah. you need something that's going to help sustain that marriage relationship. So whether that's commitment, dedication, in it to win it, we'll be here through thick and thin, God, we have mm-hmm. a mentor couple, whatever you need something. So we go through the establishing the core values. Then the S is setting realistic and enforceable boundaries to protect the marriage. Okay. You have to know that there's a short stick, if you would, um, that you that you have between where you end and where the other person begins. And I heard one guy talking about, you know, um, how he know he's on a short leash. I don't know if that's the best type of analogy, but basically he was saying like, I know my limit um, mm-hmm. when it comes to my marriage and when it comes to my wife and when it comes to what I'm supposed to do. Not that I have everything in order, not that I am perfect on the inside, not that I don't ever think about another woman or man or whatever the case may be, but I understand my core values, so understanding those core values and understanding mm-hmm. that this marriage relationship, we have boundaries in this marriage relationship. So whether that's, you know, we don't speak to the opposite sex, whatever it may be for you, depending on what you've gone through, your marriage has gone through, it's mm-hmm. very important that you not only have those boundaries, but those boundaries are enforced to protect the marriage. The same way, you know, I, I tease often and I say, we would do anything for our kids anything. It's like no limit to protect our children, to provide for them, provide for them, even when they're grown. You know, there's like no limits to the protection and the provision and the the amount of intention that we will give our children. But when it comes to our marriage relationships, for some reason, and for many, um, they don't have that same mindset and that same core value to the point, and this is for both, not just the wife, not just for the husband, mm-hmm. that I will do whatever it takes to protect my marriage. Mm-hmm. And I believe a lot of that is because we're selfish beings and we think about ourselves. And much of that is because we don't, we simply don't know how to. Um, and, and for so many different reasons. And I often say this, like, you know, if if we both were to, you know, I look at that scripture, Ephesians 5 and 21, where it says, submit one to another. Okay. If couples that are believers put that alone into practice. Mm. You can't well, heard that more. There you go. You don't hear that. No. That whole conversation. You don't hear that, right? You hear submit to the husband, submit to the husband. Right. But 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 the whole idea behind that scripture and what God was saying, like we have a dual responsibility. We have an equal responsibility to submit one to the other. It may look different, right? But it's there's an equal responsibility. So when we understand that, we can go forward, you know, and be more successful in the marriage relationship. The second E is establishing a measurable blueprint. For marital success. And this could be reestablishing because most people don't have that blueprint. They don't have that strategy or that system, if you would, as to what their marriage will look like. Um, and, and that's an issue because these are not things that we're taught. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. even in, in counseling, in writing our vows and the amount of time that we spend coming up with our own vows, there is no mission statement constructed. There are no terms constructed. So, you know, maybe that's the new narrative. That's that's what we maybe start having conversations about in premarital counseling is your marital creed <laughs> of sorts. And, and that's part, you know, when God told me a, a few years ago, and that's part of what I want to do in the work that I do and even getting in the churches and just really changing the narrative as to how pastoral care and counseling is done. You know, we, we come from a spiritual and a scriptural perspective. And as we should, because I believe marriage is a God idea, he established it. We also have to bring in these practical tools and, and strategies for these individuals to work through. You know, when they come to in my program, they do a lot of work. And they don't like it. They're, I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. we, we're not, I'm not just going to be talking to you. I know a lot of, in counseling, a lot of times is talking and nodding the head. And, you know, what do you think? And what do you think? And how does that make you feel? And da, 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 da. But the type of work that I do is like, okay, you've already decided that you've done some work on yourself. 
Now we're going forward. I'm not going to necessarily dig way deep in your childhood and, and walk you through the steps. And when you were five and you, for me, like you have to be, and that's to why I lean more on the coaching, because when you think of counseling or therapy, they more so do go you know, back in childhood and deal with a lot of the childhood trauma and have to break some things away. Individuals that work with me, I would like for them to have already worked through some of those things because it does make the transition a little easier, mm-hmm. not for me, but for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because for me to go through that process, that's 12 weeks alone, just or more. Yeah. Working through your childhood trauma. So at the level I am at, um, you have to have already understand, have an understanding that there is childhood trauma. I know how this has impacted me. I have already done some work. However, I do need some additional support yeah. in this area. Simultaneously. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And that happens as well. Absolutely. So yeah. where are we in the acronym? And can I have to do a recap? So the last one is taking time to implement and measure the results. So the last one is all about, you know, implementing. Because a lot of times we have this knowledge, we have this information. I mean, I can say that even about things in my life. I have mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, but when are we implementing? You know, yeah. so I have, they they do like on the marriage training, <laughs> in the marriage training, you know, so they'll have to implement something that they learn. And sometimes intentionally because things may not come up. So they may have to ignite or something, an issue or problem or a scenario within the marriage relationship within that week. And then they'll come back and they'll have to walk me through what happened, what went wrong, what went right, what can you do different next time? And let's try this again type thing. So, you know, taking that time to implement and then measure the results, like what results you want to achieve? What do you want to see? What is the score, if you would, that you want on this entire thing and how are you going to get there? Yeah, we want that to be measurable. Absolutely. Okay, so now do me give me the recap. I want to Yeah, hear absolutely. Yeah, so the first one was reevaluate your marital agreement and commitment. Okay. The second one was establish core values and practical principles that works for your marriage. Okay. The third one was set realistic and enforceable boundaries to protect your marriage. Okay. The fourth one was establish a measurable blueprint for marital success. And the fifth one was take time to implement and measure results. And I, I'll send this to you as well. So you'll have it. Okay. When I put it in the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you for that. You're All welcome. right. So let's spend a little time. Uh, there are a few things that I, I, I guess I want to have you share your own experience in deciding you want to do this, deciding you want to start having these brunches, events. Um, mm-hmm. I like the idea of this being looked at as an entrepreneurial effort. And sometimes we may not see it as such. We may see it as a passion. We may see it as a hobby that we just like to get women together and have good conversation. But there's so much planning, (laughs) event planning, coordination, and money required to pull this off. So I would like to hear about your experience with that Um, how you invest in yourself, not knowing whether there's going to be any return in this, because sometimes it is just putting out a lot of money and not really making much money. Um, My therapist, I've I've talked to her a few times about couples counseling and group coaching. And um, and she's like, it it takes a lot. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot more than just sitting down and doing one-on-one. So I would like for you to just, you know, provide um, some tangible information and um, insight into that process and just how much it takes for people who might be exploring something like this. Woo, child, how much time do you have? <laughs> I saw well, that in your face. <laughs> it, it really has to be something that you, and beyond the spiritual aspect, right? It has to be your assignment. I'm going to say that. It definitely has to be your assignment. You know, as you said, a lot goes into it. And when we've always been doing events, but when I was released, if you would, to start doing events on my own, uh, I understood the aspect of being more visible and me being seen as the expert to gain more traction, just mm-hmm. being very honest and transparent and, and being the expert so that people could come to me and get that advice, that wisdom, those tools, those tips, work with me in any capacity. So aside from doing the counseling and doing coaching, I'm also doing a lot of online events and some of them are free. I mean, right now, depending on when you listen to this broadcast, we're doing a 30 day prayer challenge. 
And I do it every year. It's a 30 day prayer challenge. I've had thousands of women go through this prayer challenge. And what I do know, Marcia, regardless of people, how devoted they are to God or not, they need and they desire prayer. <laughs> um, so we're doing that. And that's a free challenge that I do. Uh, and in that, I'm not just praying. So we're getting up five o'clock in the morning, 5 a.m. Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Saturday and Sunday. So I'm praying live every day, but I'm teaching. So literally I'm teaching and praying for 30 days straight. So what that does allow me the opportunity, God is just so strategic. He's so amazing. That gives me the opportunity to not just pray for husbands and pray for marriage because we're praying for our husbands and marriage during this time, but it also gives me an opportunity to teach from different aspects. Like we're teaching on communication, on forgiveness, on sex, on finances, um, all of these unity, friendship. We're, we're praying on these things, but I'm also teaching on these areas as well. So I'm I'm showcasing, if you would, and not so much intentionally, but this is just strategic how God works. I'm showcasing and I'm letting people know, like, listen, I understand. I've been there, done that to some degree, and I can help support you through this. So that's one area of doing that. So in another area, I'm hosting a retreat this December, and I host an annual event called WifeCon. Um, so that's coming up in January. I And just to be very honest with you, when you say it takes a lot of work, I had to cancel. There was another event that I was having October 14th because, right, we don't just have events to have events. I'm, you know, I did that at one point. My sister and I, we did that. We were just not just to have them, but there was no return. So we we always had a purpose. But, you know, even when we saw ourselves being knee deep in it and not really getting the return, we would still go for it. But that's no longer going to happen. So if I don't have time to market, if I don't have time to get the number of registrants that I need to meet the goal, because while the ultimate goal, yes, is transformation in these mm -hmm. people's lives, I also have bills that I have to pay. I also have, you know, things that I have to meet my financial wise. And I'm not just hosting an event and my expense for your reward. That's just not happening. Yeah. And people think that sometimes when you are a person of faith, like, oh, you should just put it on and let people come. No, somebody has to pay for this and it's not going to be me anymore. Like I'm giving already of myself by speaking, by sharing. I've, I've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the education and the experience and all the things that I have. I paid the price already. So I'm not doing that anymore. So anyway, um, so that that's what that's why I do what I do. And that's how I operate in that role as an entrepreneur. So not just a coach, not just in the counseling space, but also in showcasing the events, also in speaking. You know, I get invited for speaking engagements. I'm going to be an MC at an event a couple of weeks from here, you know, in different capacities, people do hire me to do those things. I host workshops uh, in my church and outside of my church, I mm -hmm. do workshop facilitations and, and things of that nature. So yeah, there's a lot of um, planning. It is a lot of marketing and strategizing. Uh, and you just have to be up for the job and just have a goal in mind and implementing the SMART goal method. Even when you're taking something that's in line with your values, it may not make sense. They got to, you got to, you got to make it make sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the speaking. So what came first? Did the speaking come first and then the coaching model and the, um, the events or in what order did those things take? Like if you were to make this recommendation for someone who feels like this is something they want to do, do you have any recommendations for how to start, where to start? Um, start with speaking first and then transition into the, into the others. You tell me. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it'd be a little different for people that are online and offline. I, I want to say mostly all people mm -hmm. are online, but that's absolutely not the case. So I think this would work for any person. So once you realize what you've been called to do, so whether it's in the space of coaching, counseling, um, or, or even speaking, I would say start, start with a small group of people you know, sharing your vision with that small group of people and then uh, leaning into your expertise and within that small cohort of people. So whether, so let's say you've been called, you've been called to give marriage advice and support to, to people, you know, call on a few of your marital friends and say, Hey, you know, I'm trying something out and I want you guys to be my case study, if you would, and walk through six weeks of this with me and what this would look like and go from there. So if you're on the online space, you know, start getting online and really start talking and sharing and, and, and about your goal and about your dream. And that does two things. It helps with accountability and it helps with responsibility. You can go back then and, you know, strategically start writing out the outline of what you're going to talk about every day and what it's going to look like, what type of themes you're going to have every week. But sometimes I believe some people just need enough boldness and courage to just start without having all 
everything in place. Some people are just so strategic, so systematic, so perfect. They don't get anything done. And I do believe in the method sometimes that done is better than perfect. Yes, you want to be systematic. Uh, but sometimes I believe that the perfection of people prevents them from going forward and doing things. So here they are 20 years later, 40 years later, still haven't done anything because they're waiting for a plan or waiting to hear from God or need to pray about it more or whatever it is that they need to do. And I help women with that aspect as a two. I got to pray some more. No, you don't. I am the answer. You pray. I'm here. Let's go. So, you know, sometimes like just go forward and, and see what happens. Like, yeah, just well, the confidence. The confidence, the credibility, sometimes people don't feel like they are if they if they're not in that field. If this is if they you know do one thing as a nine to five, but now you want to start speaking on this. I don't have the visibility already. I don't have the credentials. I don't have the credibility that says I should be in this space could also play a, a, a big role in, in doing that. So for you. So uh, marriage counseling, um, you know, this model, were you already working? Were you doing that type of work before? Were you already a you know psychotherapist, marriage counselor before, as you made that transition? Absolutely. And I think for that, I want to say this too. So having a mentor, not necessarily a coach, uh, but having a mentor in that area or the area that you desire to go in is very important as well. So let me just say that. So no, initially I was not, I was just married. Uh, and I started teaching marital enrichment through my church. Um, so initially I started teaching marital enrichment through my church and I was just really helping women. And then I started helping wives and I just knew the call of God was upon my life. And I did experience some things even in my marriage. And I believe that God allowed us to superseding experience, having different experiences, phenomena in our marriage relationship so that I could be qualified, if you would, to operate in that space. So I started doing it through my church. And then I later went back to school. I, I already had an undergrad in psychology. And I later went back to school and still in school, just to be very honest and transparent. I'm at the end of Thank you, Lord, writing this dissertation and being done seven years later. So I went back to school and gained the wisdom and, you know, the the, the practical tools, if you were the cl clinical tools. And I did a lot on my own as well. When I realized uh, that this was a space, I started doing a lot of uh, researching and things on my own to be able to be in a place and to be a marriage uh, coach and to operate in this space. And from the pastoral and ministerial capacity, I can operate in the pastoral and ministerial counseling care aspect of things. So that's what I did. When, once, I, once I realized this was it, even through discouragement, even through a close friend saying, well, Charlie, you only been married for a couple of years. You sure about that? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I heard the Lord say, uh, and that's, that's what happens. So that's, I would encourage them to do that as well. When you, you know, be careful of who you're listening to. And yeah. if you know that this is what, if you feel that thing, like so strongly, get that mentor, you know, and hopefully that mentor can guide you and walk the journey with you. If you need to, you don't always need to go back to school. Even what I'm doing, I didn't need to go back to school. I just mm -hmm. felt that that was my next step. Uh, because honestly, I already had a lot of the material information and expertise to to, to go ahead and to walk in the space. However, I went to school for a number of other reasons. Maybe we can talk about that on a different show. So yeah, I would say the mentorship, I would say, you know, get out there, find that small group and cohort of people, and then start mm -hmm. researching on that particular area. You know, even mm -hmm. with uh, podcasting, that's something, you know, uh, my sister and I had thought about and tried a while back. I, the first thing I did was download a book about how to start a podcast and started researching. So, yeah. you know, that's what I would say. Yeah. And that's it. That's the framework. That's a, a part of my it's me approach is the ma the mastery. The M, the mastery is really talking about how you master your craft and that's establishing your credibility. So it may not always be, as I say, the three letters behind your name, you know, the licensure, the certification, already having the degree, the education, the background in this particular area. But what you show people is what it is about your past that drives you to do this work. And what you're doing to master your craft now? What are you doing to make yourself a credible expert? You know, what is it that you do that sets you apart from other people? And that's how you establish those credentials. So I just wanted to hear your perspective for someone who is, you know, who would like to begin speaking, would like to begin just sharing wisdom and knowledge in whatever space they, um, you know, they have some some long some desire to be in. If you would just share some of your your guidance and your experience along the way as well. 
Absolutely. So I know you have a hard stop. Um, I will let you get back to your evening, but I want you to close out with anything that we haven't already touched on that you want to make sure you get in and also have you share all the places and spaces that people can find you. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to say this. This is in my closing um, to, to the audience out there, whatever it is that you've been called or assigned to do that you're not the average person. You know, I often say that when you have that zeal or that desire, whether it's to be a marriage coach, a counselor, a podcaster, a, you know, any type of coach or, or, or any any place to transform somebody else's life, you're going to have a burning desire on the inside of you that will draw you to do things that nobody else would do. The average person, even people that have marital issues, I'm just going to talk about my space. A lot of them are not going to go and read a book on marriage or books on marriage or, you know, they're not going to try to find the answer themselves, hmm. which sets us apart, you know, myself and you, Marcia, and those that are out there is that we're going to go and invest in certain aspects of our life, of our journey to ensure that we have what we need to make the next step. So I want to encourage anybody out there just to let you know that you're not the average person. And when you feel that you're willing to go a step further than anybody else, that affirms that mm-hmm. you're not the average person. Any couple out there, you know, just just I want you to keep this reminder. And as we said early, earlier, mar- getting help. And I don't want to say help. Getting guidance mm-hmm. for your marriage does not mean that your marriage is broken and needing to be fixed. It is simply a preventative measure that you're taking, taking to ensure that your marriage continues to be fruitful, continues to be desirable, continues to be meaningful and lively. That is it. For my men out there, think about this. If you don't take your car to get service, what happens? No, I don't want you to compare your wife to a car. But you get what I'm saying, because most men are into cars, right? So the same thing here, same thing here. So you look at your wife as the most precious person to you, the most precious human being to you. And you want to, you want to ensure that you love her the way that she desires and to, to deserves to be loved. So even if you don't feel as if anything is wrong, if it means a lot to her, then it should mean a lot to you. And the same thing for the wife. So you can reach me on Instagram or uh, LinkedIn at Trail Ravenel and also YouTube. I have several YouTube videos out there and it's Trail Ravenel. That's T-R-E-A-L Ravenel, R-A-V-E-N-E-L. And Instagram, I actually updated my name. So it'd be Wives Who Win. So Wives Who Win, W-I-V-E-S Who, W-H-O Win, W-I-N, but everything else, Trail Ravenel. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. This is exactly what I expected. It was (laughs) so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I I feel so familiar. You know, I think social media helps do that. But just the, the groups that we're in, how we're already connected and then starting these conversations online, watching you daily on social media. I've just embraced the content and embraced the look. The look, the glasses, I just, I, I enjoy seeing you daily. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on the show. And I am looking forward to staying connected, supporting each other through, through what it is we do. Absolutely. I appreciate it and staying here. Thank you so much.